0: Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace. Strengthening the Saints against Islam's assault on North America. Well, thank you for joining us here today at the corner of Truth and Courage. You're listening once again to Fortress of Faith. This is Tom Wallace. Last couple of days, we've been talking about what's called the Golden Period uh, during the Islamic reign and uh, it took place is a very short period of time. It's about seventy years. Now, some would want to make that uh, during the whole Abbasid dynasty or the Caliphate of the Abbasids, but uh, actually, their time that they that we could call the Golden Age was about seventy to seventy-five years in length. It kind of finished in the year eight thirty-three, and uh, the reason for it was because of the trial of the caliph al-Mamun. Now, al-Mamun was a revolutionary, I guess would be the best way to say it. In the Islamic world, uh, he was odd. He championed critical thinking. He cultivated intellectual and scientific developments in the Islamic world. He started what was called the House of Wisdom, where in Baghdad, when they moved the... Uh, the seat of government of Islam, the caliphate from Syria under the Umayyad period. It was moved up to Baghdad, where the Persian Empire had influenced that region of the world for about a thousand years. And and let me say what Al-Mamun had said about the Persians again, because I think it 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 suits us well to understand this. He said the Persians ruled for a thousand years and did not need us Arabs even for a day. We have been ruling them for one or two centuries and cannot do without them for an hour. And the fact was is that the Persian society had embraced Hellenistic ideas, the uh, thinking of of, um, logic and uh, Greek um, philosophy, intellectual thinking, critical thinking, scientific thinking, and this entered the Islamic world into a new era for them. Because the Arabs were bankrupt of this type of knowledge. Many of them still couldn't read or write, and still in the Islamic world, a great majority of the Muslims, of the 1.7 billion Muslims in the world, the majority of them still cannot read or write. And they do not encourage intellectual thinking, critical thinking, scientific thinking, and you'll... See why here in today's broadcast. Now, during this small period of time, when they did give themselves to intellectual thinking and the birth of the house of wisdom, many scholars from around the world were brought in, and translations were made, and science was encouraged. And what we can properly give credit to the Muslims, as we talked about yesterday, was the discovery or the intellectual thinking of algebra in mathematics. The Kitab, the book of Al-Jabbar, Al-Jabra, where we get the term Algebra, and uh, other mathematic things like algorithms is derived from one of the Muslims of that time, Al-Kharizma, Al-Kharizma, al Algorithm. It's where we get uh, his, uh, the term is derived from his name, and the invention of, where uh, distillation had already been invented, but a, uh, a, a facet of distillation, which allowed them to separate from the fossil fuels to create kerosene, although they didn't create kerosene. That was being done a long time before, as we talked about earlier. But the distillation process was uh, created very handsomely by the Muslims. We must give them credit for that during this period. Of course, calligraphy, literature came out with uh, one of the most worldwide fame. Uh, pieces of literature by the Muslims, only one, that would be the, the Book of One Thousand and One Nights, which was translated into English as the Arabian Nights. And for medical knowledge, they gave us the knowledge to distinguish the difference between the smallpox virus and measles. Um, and so th- this is really the small part of contributions that the Muslim world had given to the world. And uh, it all came to a crashing end, because of a trial, the trial of the Caliph Al Mamun, and the reason for it is because in his embracing of critical thinking, intellectual thinking, and challenging and questioning things, they started challenging and questioning religion, the religion of Islam, to an extent. Now you need to understand that within the Islamic world there was um, th- th- there there was a uh, a very steady acceptation of their theology their understanding of God and his law and so the traditionalists at that time were popularly known as the Asherites and here's how they would see um, certain things like under under free will the traditional view of Islam is that man is under compulsion under fate of God's sovereignty this is called Qadar the doctrine of Qadar, that God is the source of all things, and that everything is under his sovereignty, and man does not have a free will. Even they go as far, and understand this, that when it comes to a man performing sin, this is considered still God's will. God willed it, and so therefore it happened. Therefore your sin. So culpability in a sense my, my question if we get into the doctrinal discussion on this is then is man culpable for his sin if god makes it compulsory for man to do that but anyhow so this is the the traditional view of of islamic teaching when it comes to the situation of knowledge the it's the doctrine of nakal that they must accept what they're told by blind faith the logos god's word when god gave his word to reveal truth, not to be questioned, but to be obeyed. One of the major doctrines of Islam is Tawid, the oneness of God. And uh, they believe in the attributes of God. He's omniscient, omnipresent, uh, omnipotent. Um, But because of his omnipotence and being eternal, there's nothing that can bind him. He has no boundaries. He has absolute freedom and absolute power. So, therefore, God's attributes of, uh, let's say, about, you know, being merciful or being uh, honest, okay, about not telling a lie. Well, the, God is not bound by any boundaries, okay? So, he's not bound by his moral attributes. There, he transcends all of that. He's separate from them. So, the essence of God is separate from his very being, okay? And so this is the traditional view of Islam, and when it came to the views about the Quran, they believed that the Quran was uncreated, that it preexisted, it's eternal with God. Al-Shari, which is where we have the Asherites, he said the Quran uh, is on the heavenly tablet. It's uh, it's written up in heaven, the uncreated divine word. Not in the sense that all these are copies of the heavenly original. No. All these are identical with the heavenly original. So this is the traditional Islamic view, and it's still held today by the majority of the Islamic world. But during this small period of time, we had some reformers, the Asherites, which al-Mamun subscribed to this idea within his view of Islam. He believed not in Kedar, that man was obligated by fate and compulsion to do everything he does is a result of God's will. No, he believed in the, the the Mutazilites believed that man has power to act freely, that he has jabbar, he has freedom, that God is not the source of evil. Man is the source and man is culpable for his own behavior on knowledge. He disagreed with knackle and believed in ackle, which is reasoning, that the logos, the word, was given so that man could understand truth and relate to the Creator. When it came to the doctrines of Tawid, the oneness of God, the mu'tazilites believed that God cannot uh, do anything unreasonable. Therefore, God can be held accountable to his moral attributes. Certain things are incumbent upon him to do. If he's merciful, he must act merciful. He cannot become unmerciful. Uh, And they went as far as to say that he who affirms that the qualities of God are beside God affirms two gods in their view, which, of course, would be a blasphemous idea to suggest that God is two gods. But um, uh, they believe that man was made in God's image. But the Islamic view is that nothing can be compared to God. He transcends it. He is above all his creation. The mutazits which Al-Mamun uh, subscribed to also believed on the Quran that the Quran was created at the moment of its revelation. If the Quran was uncreated, they said, uh, then it must be another God, and therefore the unity of God would be violated the Taweed. Al-Mamun required that all Muslims that filled their courts, that worked in their courts, they were to affirm that the Quran was created. And they also held the belief of Jabbar, uh, that uh, man has free will. And if you didn't believe it, you you would be sentenced to death. So this was the new moving in the Islamic theology of that day. Well, al-Mamun was a supporter of it and upheld it, and he was put on trial for his blasphemy and heresy and was found guilty. And so after this point, the Islamic world had an opening of their mind for a short period to critical thinking, to analysis, and uh, it was because al-Mamun was tried and found guilty, this brought a crashing blow to the reformist of the Islamic ideology. And the traditionalists prevailed, and it closed the Muslim mind to things like scientific thought. And all of it was considered a violation of the law of, it, of, of Allah, and it was quickly rejected. And the Muslim world uh, closed the door to enlightenment. And so, folks, this is why. Uh, As I said yesterday, the country of Spain will translate more books in one year than the whole Middle Eastern, Muslim Middle Eastern countries have translated in the last thousand years. They do not subscribe to scholarship. They do not embrace enlightenment. They do not embrace critical thinking or challenging of thought or scripture or doctrine. It's just simply Qadar. You are under, you are subject of Allah, you obey, you do not reason, you do not question, it's knackle for you, you believe it by blind faith, you just simply obey. Allah has given his Logos, his word, revealed it to you so you can obey it, not question it. And God transcends his creation. You cannot compare yourself to him or understand him. He is so far above you and you cannot relate to him. And so this is the law of Islam. This is the way it is. And this is why the Islamic world is closed to all this. And this is why they've produced so little in the Islamic world. Of all the Nobel accomplishments that Muslims have, Nobel Prizes that have been given to Muslims, one-fourth of our world is now Muslim. They've only won 12 Nobel Prizes, six of them allegedly for peace. Can you believe they gave one to Yasser Arafat, of all people? Um, but they've accomplished so little. But when you come to the Jews in the same region, in the same area, who've had who's a country that's only been around for now 70 years, 22% of all the Nobel Prizes that have been given have been given to the Jews. Well, folks, we're out of time. We've got to stop here, but I hope this helps us understand why the Muslim world, why their mind is closed. Join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.